March 21st, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Dafnun Cheta Mudbet. If you count from the top, it's 13 lines down, two words before the end of the line. Tashema. This finishes briefly. We kind of began this last week, but it finishes that challenge and debate of Rabili Ezen Bi'akiva. We'll read the proof and then we'll quickly reiterate what they were debating and then move on. It says the Gemara Tashema. Come, come and learn from the following a proof from this beraita with regards to those two opinions. It's going to be an attempted proof against Rabbi Akiva. Question here in the beraita is why didn't Adam Harishon get married to his daughter? Why didn't he have children with his daughter? The understanding being that he had a daughter, of course. Now, Peshat and Pesukim, we never learn about that daughter, but. At the same time, we never learn about who Cain and Hevel got married to themselves, or at the very least, who Cain got married to and had children with. How did he have a child named Hanoch? He must have had a wife in order to do so. The Pasuk says he has a, had a wife. Who is that wife? The Gemara elsewhere, Masechet Ibamot suggests, with several Midrashim, there were daughters as well, perhaps twins of Cain and Hevel, and that's who he's involved with. Says the Beraita, so the question is just very basic. Why wasn't Adam involved with his daughter? That's a little bit of a strange question because your mind says, as Nathan kind of insinuated, why should he be? Let his son be involved. Tosafot gives a little bit of a different slant on that. Tosafot suggests that, well, once we read the answer, you'll understand it's more a question of why wasn't Havak, quote unquote, killed off immediately after eating from Etz Hadat before giving to, giving to Adam Harishon. So the understanding is going to be that there's somewhat of a chesed that's performed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this context, in this situation, to leave off the daughter and keep Hava around. I mean, of course, that means that Adam, ultimately speaking, sins as well. But anyway, that being the question, that being the case, here's the question. Bnei Malon Asa Adam et Bito. Answers the Beraita, Kedeshi Isa, Kain et Ahoto. It's, so to speak, a double, a twofold chesed at the beginning. First and foremost, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what we'll see in just a moment, sets forth for Adam this ability to continue with his wife. But furthermore, he gives Adam the opportunity to leave his son to get involved with his sister. This pasuk, which again, doesn't necessarily in its peshat read the way we're reading it, as we mentioned last week, but the understanding is that the world began with an act of chesed. What's that act of chesed? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu permits Cain to be with his sister and Adam to stay off of that. Well, wait a second. That means that Cain was permitted to his sister, but had it not been this chesed, this initial primal act of chesed from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Cain, he would have been forbidden to his sister. Now that brings us back to that debate, that conversation between Bi'akiva and Bi'li'ezer. According to the Bi'akiva, we would imagine that sisters for B'nai Noah are permitted. You don't need a special uh, allowance over here that Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, listen, Cain, we're going to allow you to your sister in this circumstance. What do you mean? You're not going to allow in this circumstance as opposed to other circumstances. It's always permitted. Those familial relations are less of an issue for Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was the individual who understood that the Isurim for B'nai Noach were as a result of marriage, as a result of married to another. That being the case over here, it appears as if there was a specific allowance, permissibility from God to Cain to get married to his sister. That's the chesed with which the world was created. Well, wait a second. It would appear that had God not permitted it, she would have been forbidden. You see, B'nai Noah have this internal issue of 
Kirva, Korva, there's per, per, prohibitions of Gilui Arayot to family members, answers the Gemara for Rabbi Akiva, and it really ends this conversation. Kevan di Ishtare, Ishtare, that's only describing the beginning. Once it was permitted, once the sister of Cain was permitted to Cain, which clearly is the vision of the rabbis over here with regards to how he procreates and has Hanukh. Well, once that was permitted, says Rabbi Akiva, that set precedence. That described now forevermore how B'nai Noah, their prohibitions, their permissibilities really work. But all that being the case, that's the description over here that Mahlok Rabbi Akiva and Biliezer stands. The Gemara now continues. It's got a few last minute issues with regards to relations of B'nai Noah. And then it gets into more B'nai Noah issues, but a little bit more uh, palpable to you and me. Says the Gemara, Amarav Huna Kuti, and again, when the Gemara mentions that word Kuti, it's not referring per se specifically to people from Kuta, it's referring to all Nukhri, to all non-Jews. Some of the Gemarot even have a mark on each one of them, or on many of them, that this is a censored version. They didn't want to be talking about non-Jews and let non-Jews read it and realize we're talking about them in these sometimes derogatory fashions. So we talked about the Kutim, you'll find that sometimes in Shohan Aruch, Shohan Aruch will talk about Avdeh Avodah Zara, when he's talking about all non-Jews. Sometimes there are books that at the beginning of them says, whenever we mention a Nukhri in this book, you should know we're talking about ancient idolaters, and none of this is relevant to the non-Jews of today. There were fears until 250, 300 years ago that if a non-Jew opens up the book and realizes the laws that we're propagating and setting forth about them, well, we'll have persecution, we'll have all sorts of difficulties, and as a result, they had those sorts of quote-unquote meaningless statements at the answer, you have it in the Gemara as well. Ultimately speaking, the halakha is that a non-Jew, according to Rav Huna, is permitted to, with relations to, with his, his daughter. If that's the case, so then why didn't Adam HaRishon get involved with his daughter? In order to allow for Cain to get involved with her. Again, the marital relations certainly would pose an issue. If he's now married to his daughter, it means that his daughter is the wife of the father, Eshet Aviv, which certainly would be pro- prohibited um, to Cain, as a result, says the Gemara, in other words, that specific situation, Adam allowed for Cain to get married to his sister, but Adam could have been married to his daughter. Alternatively, Alternatively, the version, opposite version of Rav Huna is a non-Jew permitted to get involved, to get married, have relations with their daughter. First version was absolutely Adam just allowed for Kai in the room over there. This version is, no, what do you mean? It's Asur. You want to know the proof that a, a non-Jew is forbidden to his daughter? Why wouldn't Adam Arishon get involved with his daughter if not for the fact that the daughter was prohibited to him? Have that prohibition as well. But you can't really prove that in this second version. Hatam means over there. This is the reason. The only reason why Adam didn't get involved, as we saw in that Beraita earlier, was in order to allow for a world to begin with Chesed, allowing for the other the space instead of doing it himself, which means to say we don't have a sufficient proof from Adam Harishon as to whether relations with the daughter of Ibn Noah are permitted or not. I can go in both directions. Yes, Jess. After the eight from the eight, didn't Adam uh, restrain himself from any relations for hundreds of years? 
There are different midrashim with regards to this. You might be referring to the fact that shit comes much later, but peshat in pesukim, I was mentioning this to Judah after the class a few days ago, peshat in pesukim, the beginning of perek dalid, is where you have relations with hava. That's immediately after the eating and the banishment from the gan. The Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin has a different chronology. The Gemara has that the relations were on uh, on Friday, on Yom Shishi, of the creation of Adam and Hava. According to Peshat and Pesukim, and Ibn Ezra and Zohar reads it as Peshat, so not so simple. In other words, he, uh, so it's, it's not simple at all as to when and how he has these relations, but to uh, you know, make such a claim, hard, hard to state. And anyway, let's say it was the case, all right, so he still could have gotten involved with his daughter. Uh, hundred, okay, hundreds of years later, whenever any of this was taking place. So what I'm saying is, I don't know if it's Ma'ale or Morid. I'm out of Hasta. Rav Hasta says, all right, Rav Huna, we can't really figure out whether a non-Jew is permitted to their daughter. But this one I can figure out. Eved mutar bi'imo umutar bibito. Eved, we're talking about an Eved Kena'ani. Now, the status of an Eved Kena'ani is, is, is a tricky status. It's an interesting one. Eved Kena'ani, in contrast to Eved Ivri. Eved Ivri is a reference to a Jew, a Yisrael, who lost his money and as a result needs to sell himself. Now, he's commanded in all the mitzvot just like Israel. He is a Yisrael. He's just a slave. He's paying off his debts. Eved Kena'ani, of course, is a purchase from the non-Jews. In such a circumstance, it's a non-Jewish individual. However, we do a partial conversion. We do a tevilah, we do a milah, and a partial conversion, and they're commanded a mitzvot like a woman. That's the halakha. And Eved Kna'ani has the same status as a Jewish woman. The pturim from mitzvot asesha as mangrama, from positive time by mitzvot, but the hayavim and other mitzvot. What's their status? Now, they don't have kedushat Israel, they're not Israel, but what's their general status with regards to relations with others? Now, that's an interesting and strange circumstance because. In- so that's the question. On the one hand, we did a partial conversion. So he's a new soul. He's kekatan as we say by a non-Jew who converts. On the other hand, a non-Jew, when they convert, if you recall, it's what we saw in the Gemara just last week, non-Jew, when they convert, we keep the prohibitions that they had from when they were B'nai Noah, right? In other words, we don't want it to look wrong that they used to be prohibited to family members, but now that they're Jewish, oh, now everything's permitted. What do you mean? It should be the opposite. Now that you're Jewish, you have more restrictions, more prohibitions. We keep it more clean. No, you have to look at this from an intellectual perspective and understand, no, 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 that's going to look wrong. Evet Kna'ani, however, never gets into that situation, whereas a non-Jew who converts, we say all the family members are still off bounds, it looks wrong. Evet Kna'ani, I don't know if it looks wrong. On the one hand, you're half Jewish. On the other hand, you're not really half Jewish, but you did a conversion as a result. Evet Kanani and only Evet Kanani has this status of mutar imo umutar bebito. You're not going to find that by a non-Jew. He's permitted to his daughter, certainly. We were uncertain about a nochri, but to his mother he's permitted as well. Again, as I said, Evet Kanani for many reasons, has a lot of strange and unique circumstances. There are debates, very theoretical, but you know, for me, something interesting. There are debates about artificial intelligence, about the future of, I don't know, maybe the future of the world. What's gonna be the status of artificial intelligence if we find and create and bring forth some sort of beings that were artificially created and they have some sort of consciousness? Again, it's very theoretical, but the way they say is it's not so, so far off. What will their status be? What if we do a conversion on them or something along those lines? There are, there are halakha 
not books, but dissertations being written on this matter. Most recently I read that uh, one individual is arguing they might have the status of Avid Kanani. Well, you'll understand kind of why. Avid Kanani is this limbo in between state. On the one hand, they don't have Kiddushat Israel. On the other hand, they're not Nochri. Well, here it is. The halacha as a result is Mutar Bi'imo, Mutar Bibito. For more, more than anything, it's a litmus test. It kind of defines the pra- parameters for you. Yatsami Kilal Kuti. On the one hand, he's no longer non Jew. He did a partial conversion. Uli Klal Yisrael Loba. But ultimately speaking, he's not entered into Yisrael. In Right, right, but Charlie, you're forgetting. When you convert, it's kikatan she You lost all your relations to family members. Technically speaking, you should be permitted to your mother if you were a convert. Now, if this person was a convert, you should be permitted. What do you mean? How am I permitted to my mother? Your mother is Hava. Your mother is Sarah Imenu. You know what I'm saying? That's no longer Mary's or whatever. It was no longer your mother. Christina is no longer your mother. She's... So you should be permitted. It just looks wrong. That's what we stated in the Gemara last week. But over here, it doesn't really look lo- wrong because you're not Jewish. But you're not non-Jewish and you lost your relations. So it's no longer Gilui Arayot. Of course he's Asur be Gilui Arayot. But it's not Gilui Arayot. Eshet Ish, of course he's going to be Asur too. But family members, not. Says the Gemara onward, Ki atar avdimi amar bil azar, last narrow line, amar bi hanina ben Noah. The halacha is if a ben Noah, if a non-Jew, has miyahed, he separates and distinguishes and then sets forth a shivha for his avid. He's got an avid, the non-Jew has a slave, and he brings forth a, a, a woman to be married to the slave, a shivha, maidservant of sorts. Now what's the halacha in such a circumstance? Well, she has her own status, he has his own status, but as a non-Jew, is he permitted to be involved with her? The halacha is if he he gets involved with her, he's neherag alea. He gets killed for doing so. But wait a second, what is the status? Ultimately speaking, an Eved and a Shivha, that's not Eshet Ish. When we're talking about non-Jews, we're talking Be'ulat Ba'al, Eshet Ish, a status of marriage. When we talk about non-Jews, well, we're talking about slaves, we're not really talking about marriage at all. That's not Ishut. Nonetheless, he gets killed. So I was looking at in what way, in what fashion? Now, if you recall, we kind of saw a reference to this earlier and we understood it, Rashi understood it as a form of Gezel. You're stealing from the other, stealing the wife from the other. It's not a real gilui arayot over here, Charlie realized, right? In other words, over here, it's an evid and the shivha that he has set forth. Now, it's a non-Jew as well who is commanded on gilui arayot, but this isn't really gilui arayot. They're not really involved in, quote, the marital halachic sense. Gezel said Rashi, it's stealing, so to speak. Or how do we determine? When is it, quote, the possession of the slave who doesn't have his own possession? It's a very tricky situation. It's a non-Jew as a slave for whom he has a woman who's going to be, quote, unquote, involved with. I'm not even going to use the word marriage because that's the whole point. It's not marriage. So when do we define this as, what's that? He's not stealing on it, but apparently he is because he's miyahed for that avid. Says the Gemara, at what point? Me'emat, at what point do we say it's particular and specific for this Ayyavid, Amar of Nahman, Middekarula Revita de Planya. From the moment at which the people in the market, in the town, they say, oh, that's the young woman of that man. Which means to say, when it becomes understood, I don't know what stage that is, it's a few days, a few weeks, they're walking around together, that's the slave and his woman. 
She's Rivita de Planya, Planya Peloni, like John Doe, and Rivita, my, my niece's name is Riva. I assume that's, I don't know, it's from the Yiddish or something like that, but Riva in the Gemara always means a young lady. Rivita de Planya. So when they say, that's the one, that's, in other words, this is, you, ha, you can't define this other than the way the people talk, because there is no status over here. Me'ematatarata, well, if that's the case, what about when they stop walking around? Is it now the master permitted? How do we define that moment? All hard definitions. Because again, in Yisrael, you'll say, well, it's a moment of Yehud. Even by B'nai Noach, you'll say, Be'ulat Ba'al, when they had relations with Hashem Yishud. Over here, what are we talking about? It's from the time that that woman now is unbraiding her hair and exposing it out in the marketplace, which means to say, Says Rashi, that's the designation, even by slaves, even by non-Jews, once upon a time. If you were married, you kept your hair braided and, and, and separated from the public view. The fact that you're now unbraided, clearly you're now relinquishing that status of being involved with this Eved, and as a result, the Ben Noah would be involved. We find that in the Torah by Yisrael, at the very least in Parashat Naso. Parashat Naso has the description of the Isha Sota. The Isha Sota, et Rosha, the Kohen has the un braid and expose her hair. The understanding being, the Gemara Masechi Kitubot makes this clear, this is Dat Yehudit of some sort. There's some sort of status and stature with regards to marriage in which the Torah is envisioning it, although not instructing it overtly, there's a separate dimension for the woman's hair at marriage. The Mekubalim, of course, will talk about the uh, significance of hair, but just in the general sense, we understand it as an act of modesty, as an act of Dat Yehudit, says the Mishnah, says the Gemara so the derasha over here goes as follows the halakha first and then the derasha if a ben noach if a non-jew has relations with his wife shelo kedarka means in the fashion that's not direct, in the fashion that he's not inseminating her in the normal biological fashion. Well, that being the case, the halakha is he's hayav mita for that act of relations. Hayav mita, why so? Well, the pasuk which we understood as permitting and mandating and involving non-Jews in relations was vidavak bi'ishto. Vidavak is dibuk. Dibuk, which we explained was something that causes pleasure, something that's direct. It's a cleaving in a fashion to the extent that we derived from this that homosexuality was forbidden for non-Jews as well because it's in the same fashion. There's a hiyuv mita because it's an unnatural way. That's for the B'nai Noah. Amar Rava says Rava in challenging this. Hold on. Is it possible that there's a matter over here which for a nochri He's going to be hayav mita for Yisrael. The lashon of our Gemara is lo mehayev. The lashon of Tosafot is it's not even asur. Is it possible? Again, that's the question we have throughout. Are Bnei Noach, can we even conceive of the fact that Bnei Noach have a higher status? And as a result, the Gemara will fall off of it. But that line in and of itself provokes the interest of Tosafot because that line seems to be telling us that for Yisrael, Either there's no hiyuv, certainly not a hiyuv mitah, or for tosafot, if you see, well, tosafot, look at tosafot, three lines from the top. Mi'ika mideh de l'Israel, shore, shore means permitted. Ulekuti asur. For tosafot, it's permitted. 
And Tosafot goes on to quote a Gemara Masechi Nedarim and Dafkaf. Dafkaf Amutbe. Hang on, hang on, I'm getting there. Hang on, I'm getting there. Hang on. So Tosafot quotes from the Gemara Masechi Nedarim and Dafkaf Amutbe that seems to, in their reading, permit it. Tosafot continues and they question this from the Gemara over there says that the issue of Er and Onan, Er and Onan being the sons of Yehuda who get involved with Tamar and are put to death. And the text never tells us really what they did wrong. In the eyes of the Hachamim, it was a bi'ashilokidarka. One of them, the Torah says, wasn't inseminating. Say the Hachamim, Yevamotaf Damidalit, it was Biashilokidarka, says Tosafot. Wait a second. I don't understand. This Gemara is permitting. The Gemara Masechan Nidarim seems to be permitting. Ir and Onan got put to death for something that was permitted. Answers Tosafot will read just the last few lines. Vyesh Lomar, de la Asir Tadir the prohibition of for Yisrael is if you do it tadir means uh, common um, consistently. And why would you be doing so? I don't want her, and she doesn't want to become ugly and uh, and fat and diminished in her strength because she's impregnated. But if the majority of the Tashmish is in the regular fashion, Akrai means uh, once in a while. There's a passion, there's a will. That's Tosafot's Pesach Halacha. Bi'ashelokidarka for Yisrael is permitted. Be'akrai. Again, the word be'akrai is very much a subjective word. How do you define tadir? Tadir means something that's consistent. Akrai is inconsistent. It's that every other day, every third day. It doesn't appear that way. You're playing with serious matters. Ramar Bimoshe Yisrael quotes this Tosafot in his glasses to Shohanaruch in in uh, this is far from being accepted by all Harambam in Hilchoti Surah Bia, I think in Perekaf Aleph, states that although there might be a heter with regards to Gilui Arayot, with regards to, in, you know, the, this Isur of Vedavat Bishtofi Israel, there's still an issue of Hosa'at Zera, which means to say there's, there's wrongful use, of, there's wrongful, if it's not a purposeful act of relations with regards to insemination, if it's not, it's, it's a wasting of seed. I understand that's what the Torah says, but Tosafot is pointing out if it's Biyashe Loke Darka, and our Gemara is saying it's permitted, how do we square that? Hidushe Haran, Rabbeinu Nisim of Jerona as well, suggests in our Gemara, our Gemara is talking about one segment. The segment is Gilui Arayot. For a non Jew, it's Gilui Arayot. For Yisrael, it's not Gilui Arayot. Does that mean it's permitted? It doesn't mean it's permitted. It's still Hosa'at Zera. Does it mean Yisrael is going to be put to death for it, quote unquote? No, it doesn't mean that. It means it's Hosa'at Zera. But that all being the case, it's an important thing to have in mind and to know. This is a debate and discussion amongst the poskim, amongst Tosafot, amongst Ran, amongst, uh, with Harambam involved, with regards to Biashilok Darkavi Israel. Uh, another occasion could be, we could elaborate upon. It says the Gemara again. So our issue over here is. The biggest problem of this is wasting semen. They don't address that. I just addressed it. I'm just saying it. The Gemara over here doesn't address it. Our Gemara is, is focused on Gilui Arayot. That's not our issue. That's Hidushe Haran. That's what the Torah says. That's right. Tosafot, conf- Tosafot conflates the two. 
Tosafot conflates the two, and again, if they're being put to death, we're not fully clear. But when it comes down to it, and it was that, that's the. Okay, but that, that's, the fine, that, that's the fine line over here. On the one hand, our Gemara saying seems to be Sha'are, according to the Tosafot. On the other hand, they were put to death. And that's the act, says the Gemara. And the Torah says they were, or at the very least, one of them was Mosim Bahut. Well, that all being the case, that's the issue, says Tosafot, because they did it consistently. That's Tosafot's claim. They did it consistently. It certainly does. It certainly does. For Tosafot, this. Unless you do, unless you do it consistently, in order to not impregnate. No, 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 stand up. But to, according to Tosafot, the issue with Eir and Onan, they're saying this unequivocally. This is not a question in Tosafot. The Hotzaat Zera for Tosafot, that's what I was quoting from Rama as well, is something that's done Tadir. That's Eir and Onan. If it's done Be'akrai, now you'll tell. Sometimes. That's right. <laughs> Hard to define. You want to play with it? I don't. I don't suggest it. But that's right. Tosafot is suggesting if it's done sometimes, it's not prohibited. Period. Period. Now again, Tosafot is in the context of relation with husband and wife. There's no question that. No, no questioning that. Tosafot certainly is in the context of husband and wife. But according to Tosafot, be'akrai be'alma. What I'm telling you is this is important for poskei halacha to be familiar with for sha'at ha-dahak circumstances in relationships. It shouldn't and doesn't have to come up ever in your life or in anyone else's life, but it does come up. Sha'at ha-dahak circumstances. You have to be familiar with the opinion of Tosafot and of Rama. You have to understand that what we're dealing with, although, and people should tremble, Eren Onan, the Gemara says, Masech Tivamot, it was Biyashelokidarka. As you said, it's Hosa'at Zera. Okay, you should be trembling about that. I'm not denying that. I'm nonetheless stating Tosafot is making the clear case that Be'akrai Be'alma, define accordingly, is permitted. Says, in other words, but the Gemara is stating they got put to death for that. That's right. Says the Gemara, rather Rava's statement, he needs to change it because the Gemara can't accept that Biyashilokidarka is not punishable or perhaps not prohibited for Yisrael, defined accordingly, um, and it's and it's and punishable by death for Benoah. Benoah We have to change it. Rather, it's a Benoah who has relations with Eshet Havero, meaning Eshet Ishilokidarka. Patur. If he does it, Shilokidarka is patur. Now that wouldn't be the halacha for Yisrael. For Benoch, it would be the halacha. Why is it the halacha? My ta'ama bi ishto velo be eshet havero vedavak velo shilokidarka. It's a reading of the pasuk. Vedavak bi ishto vayul basarehad. You have a leniency for Bnei Noach. They have dibuk, which means kidarka, and bi ishto velo be eshet havero. It means the only circumstance in which they're going to be liable to death penalty with eshet havero is if it's kidarka. Now we can, I don't know if we can rest assured, but we can understand now there's a severity for Yisrael, and we're understanding the halakha, at least textually, for Bnei Noach. Amar bi hanina, oved kochavim shehika et Yisrael. Hayav mita, the statement of Bihanna is if a non-Jew strikes Israel, Hayav mita, Hayav mita, we're going to take him to court and kill them, says Harambam in Hilchot Melachim, Hayav mita bideshamayim, we're not taking them to court and kill them, the guy just punched you, the guy slapped you hard, the guy struck you, you're killing him? Well, it seems from the statement here, what's that? 
No, no, hika, hika, chalas. And let's say it's with the intent, of, but he didn't kill you. Hayad mita, says Harambam mita bideshamayim. Shene emar, listen to the proof. It's a little hard for Harambam. Shene emar, vayifen kovako, vayarki en ish, vayachet misri vegomer. It's a pasuk by Moshe. Moshe sees the misri is hitting the Israel, the ivri, and he looks here and there, and then he kills the misri. Kills the misri, but the misri didn't kill the Israel. Seems clear. Hayav mita. Now you're right, Charlie. Mine says it's before we have the name Yisrael. You imagine we have Yisrael for Ma'amad Har Sinai. There's a tremendous debate. Piri Megadim in his book Parashat Derachim. Parashat, not Piri In his book Parashat Derachim wonders when did we achieve the status of Yisrael. Keep in mind, we're treating this as Yisrael and B'nai Noah. There's no simple answer. Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah has a take on this. But what seems to be clear is, at the very least, Asmachta, we're looking to this Pasuk as defining a halakha of, 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 of Nochri to Yisrael. And if they strike a Yisrael, the Hayab. But wait a second, Harambam said, Hayab mitabide shamayim. Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Mitzri. This is the question of Kesef Mishneh, Biosef Karo and Harambam. Again, the statement here of Rabbi Hanina is if a non-Jew strikes a Yisrael, kill him. Now says Arambam, don't kill him, he gets killed by God. It's just a strong statement. But the proof is that Moshe kills him. Okay, as I said, it's an asmachta. It's not, we're not deriving from this. This is not per se betin, although Moshe may have had such a status. This is not per se a putting to death in that fashion. It's an understanding of this is a hiyuv bideshamayim, extending it to Rashi in his commentary to the Torah. The Pasuk Rashi says, Vayifin kovacho means he looks into the future and he understands nothing positive is going to come out. So this is a circumstance which we wouldn't apply, you and I, on our own. But Moshe was able to not suggesting, says Rabbi Yosef, says Kesef. Mishneh that you and I are able to or should be doing this. Says the Gemara onward, says the Gemara onward, Ve'amar bi'hanina, ha-soter lo'o shel Yisrael ki ilu soter lo'o shel Shekhinah. If you, if you slap the cheek of a member of Yisrael, it's as if you're slapping the cheek of the Shekhinah. Kivyachol v'hakadoshen emar, mokesh adam, the Pasuk says, it's a derashah in this Pasuk, mokesh adam says, yala' Kodesh. And the derasha is mokesh, milashon hakish, to slap. Yala, the cheek, kodesh of hakadosh baruchu, this pasuk in Mishle. Of course, the idea being, Selem Elohim, each person has the complexion, has that stature of godliness. You're slapping that person. Kivyachol, kivyachol, you're slapping. It's a statement over here in the Gemara, is Yisrael. You might ask, Salem Elohim is something that's relevant to all. Clearly, and as we know from Divrei HaKamim, the statue of Yisrael is elevated above. If, if I'm going to be, and, and, and it's a good claim on me, if I'm going to be speaking just about Salem Elohim, so perhaps I should be, not perhaps, I certainly should be extending it. Indeed, it's more than Salem Elohim, which is what seems to be at stake over here. Says the Gemara onward, Magbiya Abdo Shabbat Siman, the Gemara sometimes has Simanim for what's to come. It was a mnemonic for people studying it for a way to remember it, generally speaking. People don't work with them, but when I learned in Mir Yeshiva, we read every single line in Shi'ur, so I read it as well. Amar Eshlakish, Amagbiya Yado al Havero, says Reshlakish, of Yisrael raises his hand, doesn't even strike his friend. So I raise my hand to slap you, to beat you up. Even though I didn't strike you, I'm already considered a rasha. Why? 
Hakel. Pasuk says that Moshe sees these two Anashim Ivrim Nitzim, they're fighting one with the other. Moshe says, why are you going? Rasha, wicked one, why are you about to hit him? Lama Takeh, why will you hit him? Wait, he's not Rasha, he hasn't hit him yet. He just has the intent, he raised his hand to hit him. He's already considered a Rasha, Afapishelohikahu, Nikra Rasha Zi'iri Amar Bihanina Nikra Hote. The statement now is not only Rasha, but a Hote is a sinner. Again, I raise my hand to slap you, or someone raises his hand to slap someone else. Nikra Hote is a sinner. Shenemavim Lola Kahti Behoska Uhtiv Vati Hatata Nearim Gedola. What's that? What's the difference between Rasha and Hote? Not necessarily for our purposes, all that much, other than saying not only are you one, but you're the other as well. If I could like find lots of denigrating names that the Torah has referred to you with, I only make it worse. You want a specific uh, nature and stature? I can't think of yes. in the moment. You'll find this in several places. The Gemara Masech Nedarim Kafbet or so, the Gemara over there does this with a person who's Noder Velo Mekayem or a person who's Mekim et Nidrot, Narasha and Achoteh and so forth. What's that? I don't know. I don't know. This one, well, well listen, listen yeah, to the example of the Hoteim. Mm, well, well, but, but a Rasha could be put to death, right? Generally speaking, the word Rasha, I mean, generally speaking, the word Rasha is in the court context. We talk about says with regards to those who are in court. We talk about That's talking about in the court structure. Hote is generally speaking outside of the court structure. It's just in terms of who's sinning or not. Uh, not not so simple. Not not so simple for me to distinguish further for you, at least in the moment, the difference between Rasha and Hote. But that's the general distinction. Rasha is as a court, and that's how we imagine Moshe in that moment. He's Rasha. The first thing he's doing is he's judging the people and Hoteh is well what you've done wrong in your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu so here the Pasuk by Bnei Eli the sons of uh, Eli this is the beginning of Sefer Shemuel it's Hofni and Pinehas and they're doing the wrong thing and they're demanding meat from the women who are bringing their sacrifices and the Pasuk says that if you don't give it to us they said to the women I'll take it with strength says Rashi here take it with strength gives us the image of them raising their arms or flexing their muscles. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to take it with strength. And the Pasuk says, what were those ne'arim, those young men, the sons of Eli? They were hatata ne'arim gedola. But they didn't necessarily, necessarily yet do it. We just know about their threat. Their threat, their strength, their might, which they were showing, was already a hatat, was a sinful act. Rav Huna Amar, lastly and perhaps most severe, says Rav Huna, you should cut off the person's arm. Emar, and he's Doresh, this pasuk from Iov, Uzroa Rama, a raised, a high zeroa arm, Tishaver, should be broken. Shema Yisrael, one second. I mean, you know, in my lifetime, there's been a good amount of times that my brother and I fought a little bit. So I mean that you should be cutting off my arm. Well, maybe we were kids. Maybe it was just wrestling or something of that sort. But are we literal here? Says Rashi, literal. That's an amazing thing, says Rashi. Where did you get the authority to do so? Says Rashi, you forgot the Gemara Daf Memvav. The Gemara Daf Memvav says that the Sanhedrin, the Beit Din, Shebechol Dovador, given the capability to 
penalized to give kinasot, which means to say they're supposed to determine what's appropriate for that generation or what's appropriate in that situation. As a result, says Rashi, this is a person who's walking around and beating up people a lot. Says the Beitin, we should cut off their arm. What's that? Reshaims, people who are very, very uh, d- d- along those lines. Says Tosafot, this is not just a kenas of the Betin. Says Tosafot, it's a derasha from Pasukin Yov. Yes, it's a derasha. Says Tosafot, take that derasha very literally. You want to know what it means? Yehayav in such a circumstance for your arm to be cut off. Ravuna kas yada. Says the Gemara, Ravuna went and he cut off someone's hand in such a situation. Rabili Ezer Omer. In lo takana ila kevura, says Rabbi Eliezer, a person who raises his hand to strike. It doesn't even strike. He doesn't have any way of rectifying or fixing himself until he gets buried, so to speak. It'll take death in order for him to get kaparash in emar. Ve'ish zeroa lo ha'aretz. It says, as the pasuk says, a person who's zeroa, a person who has a strong arm, lo ha'aretz, the ground is appropriate for that one. Meaning to say, only when they're buried are they going to find their appropriate atonement. Baruch Amen, amen.